This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Outside Looking In. I'm Samson Folk, and I'm here discussing in this podcast series every single team plus the Raptors. So we get half the conversation roughly about the Raptors so that you, the listener, get to see the kind of the consensus of what people think about your team and your players. And then we talk about every other team in the league with somebody from another market who covers that team. And then you kind of get to learn about the league at large. It's outside looking in today, Bruno Passos with the Spurs. Very exciting because, you know, I was at Summer League this season. And uh, if if you ever were going to see that the Spurs have a very tangible bubbling up, it would be the Victor Wembanyama effect, wherein he basically, his two days at Summer League, sold out Summer League. And so it's a very real, oh, he's here. There's a very tangible stardom attached to him. And Bruno, just before we go anywhere else, I want to know how excited are you to cover Victor Wembanyama? Um, very excited. Yeah, as, as everyone is sort of in the contingency here. Um, what a different two days that would have been for you, kind of stark contrast between game one and game two for him. But, um, you know, that's all part of the Wemby effect is that there's just such a new lens um, you know, over here in San Antonio, um, you, you know, the whole bunch of a slew of national TV games to go to and um, just this really interesting piece at the center of it where you're going to watch this organization um, totally shift gears and now try and just build around this like, you know, amazing, like just, you know, limitless um, potential of a, of a, you know, teenager coming in. So, um, no, it's super exciting. Uh, it's hard to, hard to say otherwise. Um, and just, you know, excited to get things going, you know, summer league was that first little taste of it. Um, but now you kind of really want to see, um, the process that's going to kind of, um, go into effect with, with, with when Benyama in the mix. For myself, it, my Raptors fandom didn't start the moment I was born. So the Damon Stoudemire stuff doesn't really track for me. Um, I came along more so in like the Jose Calderon era, started watching the games then. Were you watching and a fan of the Spurs when Tim Duncan came along at all? Yeah, I, I was really thinking you were going to say Vince Carter there, not Jose Calderon. <laughs> but that's that was a little twist there as, as the sentence unfolded. But um, yeah, so I, it's funny. I, I moved to San Antonio in 1996 or 97, I can't remember now, uh, from Houston. Uh, so I was a Rockets fan in Houston um, mm. through those title years, and so um, it's it's a little it takes a little time I think uh, as for most people to kind of you know shift it, even as when you're a kid and you're a bit more malleable. Um, so you know those early years, uh, you know the fandom didn't immediately resonate. I'd say it took um, kind of through that um, even through the first title. Like uh, I, I was not 
particularly attached and just, you know, as you grow. And um, I, I left San Antonio when I was um, still in high school um, and uh, went to college uh, out of state. So as I think I was away, like the, the, the sort of connection to the town, like the, that fandom kind of was, was one of those ways to kind of retain that connection. So it was really through like the 05 title um, and then moving forward that I, I can really felt like that, that um, I became more of a Spurs fan um through the years so um yeah definitely it's it more of a you know a life event thing than any particular player you know obviously the spurs had that same core you know for for quite a while so it wasn't necessarily that that changed but um you know feeling that uh, that connection to the city yeah dynastic in like every sense of the word that era of the spurs and i kind of wanted to compare and contrast obviously the raptors had a chance at a dynasty maybe, or what people might've kind of kicked around. Is this a dynasty? If Kawhi had stuck around, um, or maybe just a really, really powerful two, three years. But currently with Pascal Siakam in trade rumors, the, the team, you know, whether people think they're going to surprise, you know, the NBA this year with a, a better record or, you know, whether they think it's not going to be that great. The, the truth of the matter is that Pascal Siakam has been discussed openly by the team as you know a trade option DeJounte Murray was a guy who was in a similar position with the Spurs um the teams while having different players of course and being built differently uh the Raptors arriving at a similar spot of like this is our guy we're gonna try and trade him and get more of a youth movement coming in um, what do you notice between the two, like the end of the DeJounte era and what might be the end of the Pascal era with the Raptors? That's a funny parallel. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see it. Uh, both players, I think um, uh, Pascal, I think, is is he entering his final year of the contract? Um, yes. And so, you know, similar to DeJounte where the contract played into it for sure. You know, he was not, the Spurs were not going to be able to extend him just given the way his his previous contract was. Um, and the the money that he could have gotten off off a new one, um, and uh, I think they're a bit further along in knowing that it was time to hit the reset button than the Raptors have been. Maybe that's changing. Maybe that'll change as, as soon as I this season. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but um, but um, yeah, and so, sim- so similarities as far as um, you know becoming that inflection point of you know whether th- maybe this is like that you sometimes reach a point where something prompts you to make a decision. Um, and it's that way to calibrate and, and look, look in the mirror and, and really decide. And, and, and maybe that's kind of the, the catalyst that um, might take place in, in Toronto, much like it did with the Spurs. And um, so certainly for the Spurs, it was uh, not only something that they benefited from shifting gears and actually um, winning the, the first overall pick, but they got a, a lot of assets um, uh, in the process. So, you know, you hope that if, if that's the, the uh, reality that the Raptors arrived to, that, you know, they're, they're able to use that as part of the reset as well. Everybody has opinions from the outside. You know, a lot of people, as the Spurs were trying to trade DeJounte, some people say, why would they trade him? You know, he's really good. Some people say, oh yeah, looking at that team, I understand why they're doing it. They need to go for this. What do you think about the Raptors' position with Pascal? What what way do you lean? I, I'm generally like a proven players over, you know, the unknown of, of assets kind of guy. Um, not only, um, because you don't know what those assets are going to become, but because you can, you can always, you know, turn good players into other players. Um, and it's, it's, it's good to be good. Um, it's good to be like, you know, competitive, 
um, and um, in the very least continue to build a, a winning culture. And especially if, if you like those guys in the locker room, um, there's just a lot of value there that goes beyond the sort of asset minds that, that um, really sort of permeate NBA analysis sometimes where um, you have a lot of people that really jump to the blow it up philosophy when a team feels like it's, it's not um, really turned that corner and gone from, you know, a seven or a six or seven seed to a, a two or a three seed. Um, I feel like people jump, jump the gun a little bit too early with that. We've seen a lot of teams that did not need to bottom out to um, hit that next level. Um, they just kind of understood, you know, what they had as far as a culture, as a process um, and term and development as well. Um, and um, not, but not all teams are the same, you know, so some teams, maybe they don't have all of that in place. Maybe they do need a reset for, for other reasons. Um, but in general, I like to keep a, a good player. And Pascal is, you know, he's, he's generally been seen as, you know, top 20, top 25 ish for, for a, a few seasons now. You like what he does on both ends of the floor. Um there's always a question of whether he's, he can be your best guy on a title team, but sure. that when you, when you actually go through that list, it's an extremely short list. So that should not necessarily be the criteria that defines whether you necessarily need to move on from a guy. Um, so no, really like him. Um, I think that a team could try to make it work around him, but sometimes doesn't always shake out that way as well. So got to be flexible one way on, on both sides. It's it is interesting because I'm of the same mind as you is that I do prefer proven NBA talent over draft equity, let's say. But the Raptors in the early 2010s, when they had their most success making trades, Masai Ujiri, chiefly among those trade decision makers, obviously Brian Colangelo brought Kyle Lowry in from Houston, which was a very big deal. But you see the Rudy Gay trade they made, which was just for a collection of you know fledgling NBA talent and then a few of those guys kind of popped off for the Raptors but there was also the Grievous Vasquez trade for what ended up becoming Norman Powell and OG Ananobi through draft equity and so that's like a home run trade and you did it by giving a proven player who was you know kind of on his way out of the league at that point um, for draft equity Andrea Bargnani ends up becoming the ninth overall pick but now I think I think as far as like the 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 style, how they're building the team, the momentum of the team. Obviously, they are trying to trade Pascal Siakam for a, a package that they like. But I think that teams now are a lot more hesitant to give like that that abundance of draft equity going back. Like, okay, here's you know a bunch of stuff because we don't we don't have that much overhead about it, and we're we're they seem like really worried about how much draft capital they put into these trades and stuff like that and so um and also i think pascal siakam his standing within the league as far as like a trade chip exists lower than his impact as a player and so that puts you in a very you know interesting spot as far as like do you pull the trigger on you know a deal that isn't as sexy coming back because of a you know it's a expiring deal b maybe that team thinks you know, Pascal, he's had a lot of possessions in Toronto, but maybe the impact is a little bit lesser than we thought once he's in, you know, X or Y city. You know, I don't think I agree with that, but that could be their thought process. And certainly things they would say to lower the price of, uh, you know, a prospective deal. It's interesting, man. Um, but as as you said, like top 20, top 25 player for a few years, he's very good. Um, he Yeah. He's going to be in and around the all NBA conversation. Those guys, 
I want to say like they're not on the the trade block that often, but you know, it's the the NBA all NBA guys are on the trade block all the time now, which is kind of crazy to consider. But I guess we'll move I'll move us over to the Spurs. Victor Wembanyama, Devin Vassell. That's in my mind. Feel free to include anybody else you want, but like Devin Vassell I think is somebody who very clearly has all-star, all-NBA potential going forward. Obviously, Victor Wembanyama as well. Who else do you think should be considered as part of the the Spurs core that you know fans should be keeping, I guess, tabs on from the outside? Yeah, I I, I agree that those are you know your first two <clears throat> you want to think about, um, and it's it's all an interesting conversation as we enter the season because we don't necessarily know who this starting five is going to be. Even like, not that it necessarily matters for starting, you know, the the, the Wem- ushering in the Wemby era, but you'd think that there's generally like a, a default answer here. But there there are six guys that the Spurs are trying to are probably trying to figure out as far as who who are your top five, and and they all provide like kind of a different flavor and. It's it's an interesting thing, but I think if you're starting to pencil in starters beyond Victor Wembanyama, Vassell is should have one of those spots, and then it gets it gets a little murky. Um, you have uh, a, a you know kind of this other young this remaining young core. D- Jeremy Sohan obviously drafted the year before. Spurs are still extremely high on him. Um, were uh, you know started him uh, from day one. Very uncommon in San Antonio for a rookie. Um, lots of upside, um, but still kind of a uh, you know we're not sure what, where his real scruples are, what are his strengths going to be when he becomes a fully rounded player? Like we, we've seen a little bit of everything and that's really fun for a young player. Um, a lot of talent, like the defending at the point of attack as, as a, a guy that size, again, something that we haven't seen Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich experiment with much up until last season, but he, he could do it. He held up very well. And it's really exciting to imagine you Sohan defending at the point of attack and Wimbanyama anchoring a defense Devin Vassell playing mm-hmm. uh, the weak side, which is what he was such so um, uh, exciting. The prospect as coming into the league is like that weak side uh, player raising hell and using that length and anticipation. So um, I, I I'm inclined to include Sohan in that mix. I think definitely as far as you know the young core, not necessarily a, a, a sure thing as that one of those five starters. But um, I think given you know what the team has invested in him, um, you, you you add him to that list. Um, the team still likes Kelton Johnson quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. He um, has obviously outperformed his his draft uh, p- position uh, a million times over. Um, team has him on a contract that pretty much everyone would say is 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 still team friendly. Um, a bit of a drop off last season as a shooter, and I think he really has to prove you know that he can be um, that kind of you know have that as part of his arsenal. Just given that he's not. Um, uh, as much of an on-ball creator and and uh, doesn't bring as much to the table as you'd like in, in a sort of guard wing. Um, uh, Trey Jones is yet one of the other pieces there. Yep. Is, um, you know that that guy who re- re-signed as well. Um, another very team-friendly deal um, and somebody who um, the team has has really been impressed by his development. Stepped into a starting role last season and. Again, you think you assume he's probably going to, you know, con- continue to be that starting point guard, but you never know. So, I think that's what this 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 season is going to be all about. Is you know, it's it's Victor, it's probably Devin, and then who? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what um, year one with Wemby is going to be is is seeing what um, what that you know what what who fits well with him, what uh, what archetypes fit well with him, um, who doesn't. 
and um, you know start start to build around that uh, that kind of paradigm. And I think you know, Popovich, I assume, will continue to use McDermott as like a big hub of the offense, and that will help sustain some of what they're doing. Just like he's so easy to run offense through with like the handoffs. He just it's a big, it's McDermott. You can run any type of stuff on the perimeter. You're going to have stuff happen to move you through. You know, you need to get through the sludge of a certain amount of like possessions during, you know, a game. And maybe it will be the case that everything is like we have these burgeoning young players. They're going to figure it out for like 85 percent of the possessions. And then 10 percent goes to Doug because we want, you know, a semblance of NBA offense, just like bam, bam, quick decisions using his gravity. And then the young players can also like cut and fill off of that. I think that, you know, that had been the case. But I'm really interested to see what happens with that team because, you know, as you say, like the guys you're listing off, there's not a lot of acclaim for these players league-wide. And, you know, even the guys who deserve to have like a ton, ton, ton of acclaim, Devin Vassell, I know you and I like it very quickly, like, oh, yeah, he's a guy. But he's not even considered that. Like consideration of him does not – have any bearing on what he ends up being as a player, which will probably be all-star, all-NBA level player. But like people don't talk about Devin Vassell enough. He's as far as like having a pull-up game, being one of the best nail defenders, having like, you know, burgeoning playmaking stuff coming up, not being bad at the point of attack. It's like, and having, you know, the height and length at his position, it's like, this is a very impressive young guy. And I wonder how high he can scale up. Deserves to be talked about. I guess a little bit more often, certainly. Yeah. Kem uh-huh. Birch is still on the team. Yep. Keldon Johnson is a holdover of the Kawhi trade. He was the first round pick. That's right. Um, we also have Malachi Branham. We have, um, is there anybody else left over from these trades? <laughs> no. Okay. This is what I want to ask about. This is, I don't think it's going to be three years in a row, but if it was, if you're, you know, the Spurs guy over there and you look at the Raptors roster and you say, hey, we should trade with the Raptors again, because every year there seems to be a Raptors Spurs trade um, three out of five years or three out of six years, two out of the last two, I think. Um, who, When you look at the Raptors, who do you think is like a nice addition? Um, <laughs> feel free to say Jakob Pertl if you'd like the Twin Towers. Look, he was, he was, you know dark horse you know maybe return guy this off this off season until he re- re-upped with you guys for um three years 60 is that right yes yeah nice nice contract for for Jakob. um let me let me peruse here because uh it's, it's been a while since i've actually took a, a gander up and down the roster but you know again given the uncertainty that the spurs are in it's it's really you know still figuring out what are those archetypes that um that they can really um you know start piecing around um uh around Victor Wembanyama. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily know, like, you know, look, no one's going to say no to OG Ananobi, <laughs> but um, yeah. apparently he costs about 10 first round picks and uh, 10, 10 pick swaps. So that, that might be a little bit even out of the Spurs price range, given um, how many assets they've accrued. Um, but, you know, like, I think there's, there's, it's, it's a fun question as far as who's the, what's, what, what kind of five fit next to, um, Benyama and I forget, neglected to mention Collins as, as far as like starters, he's almost certainly going to start at the five um, for the Spurs. But again, as far as the question of whether he's a long-term piece, we don't know, but um, it's going to be, you know, who, what's that five given that Victor is feels at least like to start, you know, he's going to be more of a four. Um, and so, you know, uh, you can look at like a Coloco 
um, as, as, as somebody that, you know, you might consider as just what, what, what kind of um, activity, what kind of like, you know, geometry do you want around Victor to kind of plug the gaps and take the blows and um, uh, just, you know, fill in where he doesn't necessarily want to be. Um, so I think, you know, something like that probably uh, might make more sense. You know, somebody that's not necessarily going to cost an arm and a leg, but um, could be that right, you know, building block um, around Lembanyama to, you know, give him, put him in the right position to succeed. Well, even outside of the Raptors, we can step away from that now. Let's just talk about what you want the front court to look like. You know, do the the wish casting. Victor Wembanyama is considered, you know, the best prospect to come along since LeBron James. We already talked about how he, the economics of how he's impacted the NBA thus far. He's a super big deal. Um, he got Britney Spears into, you know, a smidge of legal trouble. He's just, he's a big deal. People are aware of the, you know, impending impact, the, the, or perhaps maybe the impending doom for the NBA if everything clicks <laughs> for Victor Wembanyama properly. But what kind of big do you want him playing with? And especially considering the Spurs are the home of like, you know, Robinson and Duncan, the two towers. Yeah, I don't, as far as what's optimal, that's what we're going to see. So this is more like what's fun. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, that's like, you think about both ends of the floor and, um, you know, would, would, I don't even know, just trying to think of who some of the, the most like dominating offensive rebounders you have in the NBA are, but just somebody who can, along with Victor put like just the kind of rim pressure on a defense that would just like, just, you know, put coaches and, and, and opponents in hell for, for 48 minutes. Like that's um, something. So like a younger, imagining like a, a younger Steven Adams or something where you're mm. just like just bludgeoning them and, and somebody who's also like a good physical compliment to Victor. Um, but you probably want somebody also who can stretch the floor. So um, a combination of that. Brooke Lopez was the type of name that um, we heard this off season as like, you know, like, you know, that'd be nice. And look, somebody who's big, somebody who can, you know, do stuff around the rim, but also like you actually scare teams enough to stretch them out and pull up, pull one of their proper rim protectors out. Like that's really fun. Um, at the same time, you know, if, if Victor's going to be commanding a lot of attention, you know, you want maybe some mobility at the five, like a cutter who can, you know, you, you know, really open things up with, with that activity as well. Um, do you want some, like somebody who's a good rim roller to where you can do some fun four or five pick and roll stuff. So the, the um, there's, there's really just so much, it's really so open-ended right now, which is like both fun, but also there's like this user imagination gap. I feel like for him um, going into the year where like you, you see like scoot in Portland and you can kind of like, you get excited, but you also kind of know like what it's going to be like. And it's, it's fun, but it's also very, fairly tangible. But with Victor, it's like, I, I don't even know, you know, you, you don't, you don't know like how the Spurs are going to scheme with him defensively because he's going to be guarding more four. So does that mean teams are going to try and pull him away from the basket more? So what does that mean in terms of, 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 of scheme and, 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 and complementary players? So um, it's, it's all really fun and I not the right kind of basketball mind for this. I, I think you much more so are, and there's lots of other people that, um, can think about the you know the x's and o's a lot more than i can but uh, I'm, I'm just excited to kind of sit back and watch it was interesting that first game at summer league how the spurs just kind of they let the the spurs and women yama let the crowd kind of get what they came for which i thought was kind of nice because women yama despite being very very talented seven foot four is they didn't play to his strengths because the crowd was cheering extremely loud every time he touched the ball but it was like 45 extended 23 feet away from the rim 
as good as Wembenyama is and will be, he's not like a throw the ball, isolate against a, a defense from the perimeter that's keyed in on you. Like that's with yeah, Matt. He's not, K, was, he's not like, KD, not yet at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that was the type of offense that he played. You know, it was just kind of like, but I guess that's summer league too. It's like throw a guy a ball, see what he does with it. That's why combo guards always look like future MVPs at summer league. And then it tapers off more. So once they get to the, the NBA, but I, I am so excited and interested to see, you know, like how many pick and rolls does Wembenyama get a game on ball? How many yeah. does he get off ball? How's his pacing? You know, he should be the way that Anthony Davis has been for, you know, what is it now? 12, 13 years. He should be now the preeminent like lob threat guy just because the vertical space he'll have, the the range should outpace basically everybody almost in the history of the NBA. Like guys as tall as Victor don't jump like Victor, you know, It's and they don't jump quickly like Victor and then they don't shoot like him. And then I'm now listing why he was such a special prospect, obviously, but it's really interesting to consider what they might try and do, but man, yeah, yeah he I still guess. breaks the he still breaks the mind a bit when you see yeah. him catch the ball seven or eight feet from the basket and turn it into like with his back to the basket and turn it into some sort of uh, Will Chamberlain esque layup. Like it's it's the type of thing where your mind is not used to it, um, just the way general physics works uh, for most NBA players, and and um, so yeah, the, the the types of opportunities I think that he can open up is um, the type of thing that you imagine Pop who you know doesn't get too giddy about most things you, you think that it'd be pretty exciting to you know see what what you can scheme for um but at the same time i think you know that that first game of summer league is, is what they're going to try to avoid they don't want to overwhelm him and um you know put him out of his depth and, and set him up to maybe be um you know you know doing too much too soon so it, it's going to be interesting how much they the, the balance they strike between um experimentation but also um you know let, letting him play to whatever those early strengths are it's even even Victor, I think, is like a little bit restricted by, you know, how do I play? Because you can see like even the dimensions of the court sometimes are introduced in like when he's going for a reverse layup and he gets stuffed on the rim trying to go underneath just doesn't happen to other people because you're just not you're not keeping the ball high enough to like when you're going under the rim. That's typically quite a comfortable situation for most people. But for him, he's like he, he gets caught and he's like, OK, I guess the ball comes lower then what, you know, it's it's just things like that, I suppose. Um, to get back onto maybe a little bit more Raptor-centric, the Raptors are a team that I, I had this big podcast with Evan Gualberto and Caitlin Cooper about probably one of the most unique offenses in the NBA. And I think it'll be a bottom five half-court offense, but it will be unique in that, you know, I'm sure you watched some of the World Cup. Dennis Schroeder, World Cup MVP, it isn't known yet whether he's starting on the Raptors or whether he's coming off of the bench. What is known, though, is that the Raptors have Jakob Pertl at the five, who you know just as well as anybody is not going to provide a lick of um, conventional spacing with shooting. There's some stuff he can do as a screener. His rolling you know, attracts tags from the weak side. There's, there's different things he can do, but he's not going to shoot the ball. Pascal Siakam, you know, power forward to power forward, shoots the ball fine but he's not going to provide you with like a whole bunch of spacing. Of course, he does a bunch of other stuff great. Scotty Barnes is a guy at the three who, relative to other threes, there's not much spacing at all, provided he doesn't come back from summer 
with, you know, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a jumper, which I, I don't expect to see. What do you make of a team trying to, in this day's, in this day and age, this NBA, trying to make it work with as little shooting as the Raptors seemingly will have out there? It's tough. Um, this is coming from, again, a team that we covered uh, not long ago that also had spacing issues but managed to cobble a uh, good offense, but um, that, that being the sort of DeMar, LaMarcus Spurs of, of not too long ago, but it feels like it was <laughs> eight, eight eons ago. Um, that was different because you were speaking about players who at least had um, that, that mid-range game, that 18-foot uh, range, you know, and were elite at that. Which, so. which Pascal does, but Jakob and Scotty aren't there at all, really. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, finding an identity around those strengths is, is I imagine the key. Uh, but at the same time, this being a team that is trying to not necessarily straddle two timelines, but, you know, develop Scotty, build rebuild around Scotty while still, um, you know, putting out a competitive product. So how do you put, you know, Scotty, your, your, your seemingly franchise cornerstone moving forward in the best position to um, become the best version of himself? Probably not playing around a couple of um, you know non-floor spacers, um, but um, you know it's it's what is what where does the vision lean more towards? Is it is it um, you know finding the the all-around product or is it you know really leaning into in, in and around Scotty and maybe you can maybe that's the same thing, but um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, what what and, and I think Pirtle being re-signed can be as much of a hub as, as he has been, as he was for the Spurs as a, um, in those dribble handoffs as, as a screener, like you said, he has his own version of spacing that, that provides, but, um, that usually works when, um, you know, you have, he's flanked by some, some other shooters as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Gary Trent, um, can, can be an important cog in that as well. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to be how much, you know, can you squeeze out of that, um, and, and get Scotty going downhill and, and Pascal, spinning his way to the basket and um yeah i can see it being a bit of a challenge but if 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 the defense clicks if they can get out and transition enough you know you can still see a competitive product um coming out of it i do i do think that's going to be the the formula for sure and the defense just sitting there and this has been kind of the conversation i've had with most people about the raptors is they have to lead with defense. They have to go and get on transition. What do you think their defensive floor is? And we'll go by, you know, in your mind, defensive rating and then ranked in the league. Like you don't have to pick the defensive rating, what the numbers will be, but, you know, ordered by defensive rating, where do you think they'll rank in the in the league this upcoming season? Oh, where, where did they rank last year? Last year? Um, yeah. Outside of the outside of the top 10, maybe 15th. Um, they came on strong at the end of the season, but uh, they they were very very bad in the middle. And obviously, Jakob's addition is what uh, made it a lot more, um, I guess, tenable for them yeah. to kind of succeed on defense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I loved, always loved what Jakob brought. Um, you know, the the, the just. Two, became a real two-way force, but you know, as as, as a rim protector on defense, you know, um, uh, really um, uh, could anchor it. And when you put him, when you put that length around him, um, I think you've really got something. And you mentioned Schroeder, like, you know, whether or not he's going to start, and I think that could be a real swing factor as far as your defensive mm-hmm. rating, right? Because he could really tilt things in, in in the right way offensively. You know, be be that one of you know that that straw that stirs the drink. Um, and you could see him clicking with Jakob and, and helping potentially set up um, 
Scotty the right way. Um, and if you can bring, you know, FIBA, FIBA Schroeder, all the better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, off, off the cuff, somewhere along where they have been makes with, you know, with a bit of upside with Scotty, you know, players like him should just keep getting better, um, with those tools. Um, uh, and at his age, is he still 21? Yeah. I don't know. Or I think he just maybe turned 22. Yeah. But either way, yeah. you know, just should just keep getting better. Uh, so, um, you know, I think top 10 upside, but, um, you know, top, maybe top 15 feels, feels safe. Off, just again, speaking off the cuff with, um, very limited, uh, familiarity with the team. I think from my point of view, maybe there's some homerism. I, I do my best to avoid homerism, but I think there's, um, like they could be as high as like five, six. And I wouldn't expect to see them outside of the top 12. And then, but even so, that doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot or anything like that. But I think that the defense, if you like getting stops, which is harder and harder to do in the NBA now, um, then the Raptors will be a pretty fun and entertaining watch. I do want to just get, before we get out of here, you know, we kind of got your, the whole thoughts you had on Pascal Siakam early, but Everybody wants to know what people think of Scotty Barnes and what are your, I think the dialogue switched on Scotty from rookie of the year to, I think the current view of him for most NBA fans is that he stagnated big time sophomore slump. And I won't give you my thoughts on it, but I'm curious what you think about year two for Scotty and then heading into the future. Um, Again, caught, some games of Scotty for sure, and some games of the Raptors. So this is uh, with much more of a limited um, exposure than than you and your listeners. But um, you know, players like him don't come around very often for a reason. You know, those big wings that can um, do a little bit of something with the ball and still, you know, with it seems like seven foot plus wingspan, um, really good body, um, just rookie of the year, like. I, I mean, I'd, I'd still be very high on him. You know, these sometimes these things are nonlinear as far as what the output is like. Um, and um, when, you know, the, the floor already feels there. But it's just one of those things where, you know, if, if things click a little bit more with um, what he can do, you know, um, on ball, if the jumper improves at all, then the conversation just changes so quickly, right? Like if, if, if we start seeing him just, you know, off, even off the catch, just become more of a viable threat. But, um, you know, what, what that means for attacking closeouts and forcing defenses to, 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 to actually um, adjust. So, no, I mean, I'd, be, I'd still be extremely high on him. That's, 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 that's such a, you know, those found money when the Raptors were able to draft him. Um, and, uh, you know, I think turning on a, a guy in year two is, is, is typically bad practice, especially <laughs> one with, um, came, comes in with, with as much uh, cachet as he did after, after his uh, rookie season. Yeah. 15.3 points, 6.6 boards, 4.8 assists, and quietly won a lot more minutes on the floor in year two than he did in year one. Um, super big deal. Dealt with a couple injuries. I'm excited to see what it looks like. I don't, I'm not a huge vote of confidence of Scotty running point guard year three, but if it does happen, I hope the best comes about it. And I hope that really good things happen for these Raptors. If the team performs well, given the personnel on the roster, it means they're playing really unique basketball and good unique basketball is one of the coolest things. And it's kind of what the NBA is all about. Um, Bruno, any parting shots before we get out of here? Oh, um, 
No, just uh, I, I've always, you know, had a, a real affinity for for the Raptors. Enjoy watching them for a lot of the reasons that you said, as far as going leaning into unique, um, uh, and you know, they, they've they've got a, a real liking for you know the kind of players that I like and um, the style of basketball, you know, and and I, I like um, you know a, you know a puzzle and and a team trying to figure it out, not necessarily um, immediately blowing it up. And I appreciate, uh, the Raptors at least giving that a go this year. Um, and, uh, no, it'll be really exciting to watch. Obviously the Spurs are going to be fun. So looking forward to that on this end and, um, yeah, looking forward to whatever, uh, the 2023, 24 Raptors, inevitable Raptors Spurs trade is going to be because um, yeah. they've, they've, they've done some good collabs and, uh, shouldn't stop now. As far as other things go, I think when we talk about unique basketball, trying to pay attention to, you know, what's interesting around the league, the Raptors playing a style that you enjoy or employing players that you like, i.e. you're more interested for anybody who wants to pay attention to these very unique and interesting Spurs helmed by Victor Wembanyama's stardom, pounding the rock, SB Nation Spurs site, Bruno Passos. If you want to pay attention to what they're doing this year, I think that's a great place to start. And, you know, hopefully it's good enough that that's where you finish. That's that's the spot you go. You're like, where's my Wembenyama news? How is that looking? And uh, I guess that's where you end up. Bruno, uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, no, I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, Spurs coverage will obviously be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, more widely covered this year than years past. But, yeah, you can find us at uh, find my stuff at Pounding the Rock. But, uh, no, otherwise, looking forward to the Spurs season, looking forward to the Raptors season as well. Uh, fun uh, team to, you know, stay, um, you know, connected to, um, obviously, not just for your uh, uh, your listenership, but um, in general, just a, a really good team. Love that they're sticking to the process, trying to trying to crack this egg with um, this unique and fun bunch and um, uh, hoping they turn the corner this year for sure. Hell yeah. Bruno, thank you so much for coming on. Listener. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, lots more of these to come. Uh, a few in the rear view window. And uh, that's about it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you.